Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode one of the official International Rugby League podcast brought to you by Chasing Kangaroos. I'm your host, Michael Carboni, and I'm sat at the Novotel Sydney Darling Harbour, home of the 2019 International Rugby League Congress. And I've got a bunch of gentlemen accents from all around the world of rugby league. It's been pretty cool chatting to them so far, and we're going to just continue the chat uh, here tonight uh, for the podcast. Uh, the idea of this podcast, obviously, if you listen to Chasing Kangaroos, you know who I am. If you don't know who I am, that's okay. I'm nobody important, but the guys that are here with me, they're doing some great things for the greatest game of all. Hashtag grow the game and all that stuff. So guys, I've got four gentlemen with me today. We're going to speak to two and then we're going to get the other two guys on as well. So I've got Danny Kasanjian, the Global Operations Manager of the RLIF. Danny, how are you, mate? I'm very well. Nice to be here, Michael. Fantastic. And I've got Raymond Safi, uh, the MEA, so the uh, Middle East Africa Regional Director here as well. How are you, mate? Good, thanks. Uh, Pleased to be here as well. Did I get your name right, mate? Yeah, that's correct, Ramon. Fantastic. Guys, uh, first up, and and Danny, I might ask you this one, but we've got Congress here this weekend for the International Rugby League uh, Federation. The fans want to know what happens at these things. Well, first and foremost, there's uh, a protocol and formality to Congress. We've got certain legal requirements that we must discharge annually for for the company, but more importantly than that, it's the best opportunity for all of the de- delegates from around the world, from around this growing family of, of rugby league organisations to, to come share best practices, get updates from, from one another, pass uh, policy um, and get re-motivated for the, for the challenges ahead. How many, how many are here this year? I think we've got record attendance this year. Um, it always fluctuates with late arrivals and late cancellations, but we're yep. at 50 plus. That's fantastic. Yeah. So more than ever. What, yeah. what was that at last year, just to give us a little bit of insight? Uh, roughly about 46. Fantastic. 46. So we've got a growing uh, membership. Um, there is the possibility of another member uh, joining the organisation um, this week. Excellent. Um, and... That doesn't count the number of other countries who are preparing applications or are getting involved in rugby league for the first time and will be preparing applications. So it's a, it's certainly a, a growing family. It's a bit of a cliche that, but it's absolutely true in, in the International Rugby League, Rugby League International Federation's case and long may it continue. The rugby league family's growing. Hashtag rugby league family. I see that a lot on Twitter these days. Can you give us a hint? I'm sure you can't tell us yet because it's not done and dusted, but can you, can you give us a little hint as to who the new member might be? Well, there's, there's two main growth areas in rugby league at the moment. We've seen a lot of growth in the last few years in Africa. Uh, we've seen a lot of growth in, in the last few years in, in Latin America as well. Um, so the country could be from one of those two regions. So two of the biggest continents in the world. You, haven't, right. you haven't narrowed it down too much for us, but well, I, I, appreciate, I appreciate that. Are out. <laughs> That's awesome. Mate, um, so, and what can we expect this year? Any, any big news in terms of announcements or anything like that that we can share? We're recording this, I will premise, on a Monday night, so the, 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 it's, it all starts on Wednesday, um, and I understand some announcements will be coming by the time this uh, episode is released on Wednesday morning, Australian time. Yeah, we'll have announced uh, on Tuesday the new uh, name of the organisation. So we are changing the uh, Rugby League International Federation to International Rugby League. There are a number of different reasons why we've done that. But the most prominent one, in my view, is that Rugby League as a sport needs to really assert its identity and its sovereignty on the international stage. It has to really be bold um, and um, very committed to the idea of rugby league being a separate sport. 
Um, it's uh, we share the the marketplace with another rugby sport, and it's it's essential for us to to be really confident in our own identity. Um, so we felt that having the name prominently focused in all of our uh, branding was uh, was important. I mean, people know FIFA by the acronym, people know UEFA by the acronym. You can't really say RLIF. Um, so we wanted to make sure that wherever our, our brand appears, wherever our visual identity appears, the word, the name of our sport, Rugby League appears. It's, it's our sport. We want people to know it's our sport and we want people to be able to identi- identify Rugby League when, when they see it. It's more accessible than it's ever been before through through uh, satellite TV, through internet, through an increase of of members who might trigger more activity in their neighbouring countries, which leads to more growth. So having that immediate identity and, and um, uh, 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 link between the sport and the name of the sport and the image of the sport for people who are not uh, overly familiar with it is really important. And we think this family of brands, this system that we're employing will really boost that. Will that trickle down to RLF and all that sort of thing as well, or not? it's got the capacity to do that? We're still, it's still not. Um, the system has been designed to be able to fit around the whole globe, but we are mindful of the uh, sovereign nature of our two confederations, the Rugby League European Federation and, and Asia Pacific. Um, the Asia Pacific Confederation, I think their board is uh, in a position to be able to to sign off that um, that branding um, for, for that organisation. Talks continue with the Rugby League European Federation, but that doesn't stop the system working and it doesn't it doesn't stop it being a really powerful motif for the sport. Excellent. Well, Chasing Kangaroos listeners will know that I'm a marketing professional in my real life or my other life when I'm not recording podcasts. So uh, I'm really excited by that because to me, less is more. We want to simplify it and I think it's going to be great. Great. So I can't wait to actually see it. I haven't been made privy to it yet. It's all very top secret and hush hush, but congratulations on all the work you guys are doing. Ramon, I want to talk to you a little bit as well about obviously the MEA championship uh, that has happened recently. Of course, Nigeria, the champions this year, it all happened over there as well. It's been really exciting. Um, I haven't seen much about it. Of course, we learned to think about the the Cameroonian side uh, this morning who took five days by bus to get there. I'm interested to hear about some of these little stories that have come out for each of the nations and I guess find out from you what worked and what hasn't. Yeah, now the Mia Champion uh, was a really interesting uh, one for us. It's the first time we had four nations competing and four new members. Uh, this was brought upon having our members who are affiliates uh, to become an affiliate member from observers. So our official Mia Championship is next year. Uh, announcement will be made end of the month where it will be hosted and uh, invitations will be sent out to all our MEA members and hopefully we'll see four or more nations participate in it. But the, the recent one was a challenge for each nation. Each nation has its own unique story about how they got there, the struggles they got there. You've got one nation, the chairman sold their own vehicle who was given to them as an anniversary gift to get the team to compete in the Mayor Championship. You had another nation who had five days getting there, buses, uh, checkpoints. Uh, on their way home, they were fending off uh, robbers at night to keep themselves safe. No way. Uh, <laughs> being arrested. You know, we had several people. We had the World Cup uh, um, uh, delegates that were with us, like myself and Nigerian officials all ringing up government officials to have these people released so they can get back on their home. Uh, you've got Nigeria who had logistical issues. 
uh, funding issues to put the event on, uh, sponsors failing to, compare, uh, to fulfill their obligations with them, which saw a total reorganisation of the events, stadiums being cancelled due to political influence from other sports. Crazy. This is the sort of stuff that we don't hear about in the little snippets online. Um, so I'm glad you're here to sort of shed some light on that. Do you think, given all of that, that it was a success this year or there's plenty to work on? Uh, it, was, uh, it was successful. We had four teams compete. We had games played, uh, a champion winner. And, uh, like, for me, uh, like, I, I was touched by all the teams, like, seeing the players crying. It was like this was their World Cup. Yeah. First time competing, the, their brand, their nation's been publicised. And for them to wear that jersey, it was just a, a big... Achievement for Give them. me an example. Tell me some of the names and some of the, the which like, nations. Like there? first team that was played in the third, the third, fourth spot, Cameroon lost. So I've seen that team crying after five days. It was just uh, like I had to turn away, start crying. I said, I went to the international uh, uh, chairman, uh, Graham Thompson. I said to him, I can't believe these guys are crying. I, I, I couldn't handle it. So he went over and gave him some encouraging words as well. So that was like saying to them, oh, he's. Our chief coming to speak to us, it was, it was all a level playing field. There was nobody above anybody. You see the Ghanaian players coming to the Cameroons, hugging them, say, look, next year we'll, you take us on again. And then you've got the Moroccans and the Nigerians. Like, the Moroccans are saying, we came out with everything we had. And they had uh, English players, they had French players, but the better team won in the end. Also crying, the, the Moroccan players were crying as well. A lot of tears. At the a NBA lot of tears. It's like, the, it's like the Moroccan player was saying, we're the only sport that reached the final. That's incredible. Like to hear that coming from them, this is an achievement for them. Yeah. Like they probably won't make the next World Cup, but they've, this is their World Cup. So they, they each one had their own stories to say and, and, and they were touching. Lot, there were a lot of seasoned rugby league people out there. Yeah. And to a man, their, their uh, view was that the quality of the football was really high especially the uh, the brutality of the defence. That was Everyone agreed with the, they, how surprised they were. And these, these are people who don't give compliments easily. And it just goes to show the importance of competitions like this because the Moroccans, like you said, these guys don't have a lot to strive for in the way of sport or, or they, they, may, they may have a good soccer side or what have you. But when it comes to other sports, they don't have a lot to strive for and achieve. So to be there, to be representing their nation, I'm assuming a lot of the players there from the names that I saw were domestic-based players from a lot of the local competitions. And especially a nation like Morocco, who's had their troubles in the past to finally come back onto the world stage in this way, you can understand the tears. Like you, you've had Morocco... Uh Players who touched the ball for the first time played one season and into a national team. Nigeria as well. A lot of players have never played league before. Yep. And they had uh, three uh, uh, England players coming in, one Super League Sadiqi, who made a big difference to, yep. for their squad. Uh, see them competing at that level as well. And, and they can see the future. They can see where they're heading. It's just that need the extra support, extra push from the international community. And how does that support come about? So what, what sort of crowds did we see? What sort of press did we see in Nigeria for this event? Was there, We heard about a TV deal from Ade Abisi and, and his team. Uh, did that all come into fruition? What happened there in there the There was um, TV deals there and there was also shortfalls from the TV deals as well. Like things weren't fully um, like out there. Like you had Yanga TV who was supposed to be covering the games live. 
but there was a, a sponsorship and funding issue which wasn't covered. So that would force them just to do highlights. You had Supersport also out there doing highlights of the event. And you had one local TV filming for the local network. Yep. So there was um, some networks out there exposing it, but it's not enough to get it out there. We yep. need more of it. I'd love to see if I can make a suggestion for you guys. And, you know, I'd love to see more photos and footage from from those those sorts of tournaments out there. I, I see the guys in Nigeria. They're playing their domestic comp now. And if you can pass on a word, maybe get get a nice photographer out there and give us some photos because the international community, I know the people that listen to Chasing Kangaroos um, and the people that are listening to this podcast now, we want to see it. We love it and we want to get behind and support uh, Nigeria, Morocco, uh, Cameroon and Ghana, definitely. Uh, we spoke a little bit about the future. You said that there's four nations that could be hosting next year's MEA. Can you tell us who they are? Uh, the four nations that put it in uh, bids were Lebanon, South Africa, uh Nigeria again, and Burundi. Burundi, beautiful. And has a decision been made? I know you probably can't tell us yet, but... A decision has been made. It will be announced end of the month. Excellent. We look and, forward to uh, that. we wish all the teams to participate and the best of luck in their preparations. So how many teams could be participating if all uh, the invitations were accepted? Minimum of four. Yep. We can have up to six nations. So we could see South Africa, Lebanon come back if they choose to or if the funding is there. That's correct. That's fantastic. I, I want to know, like, what is your favourite story from the event? So, uh, Favourite story? Yeah. Oh. The struggles that we went through to get the game on, like uh, the chairman of the Nigerian board and at the like shoulder to shoulder, just going in from office to office to just to secure the accommodations, to secure the fields, secure uh, the linesmen to come line the field up, the transport, the mills. Like just the, the dedication that they had to get that game on, to get their name out. Like, look at us, Nigeria, we're here. We're on the stage now. Yep. And there's so much untapped talent in Africa. Yep. Like the school level, the, the physical components of them. It's just like the Asia Pacifics, there is also another side of Africa that you can tap into that player pool as well. I'm looking forward to watching it grow and Nigeria in particular really taking leaps and bounds from what we can hear and understand. Um, Danny, as the Global Operations Manager, how do you feel seeing this action in the MEA region and, and what does it mean for you? Well, we've had uh, um, from, I guess, a few years ago, an unwritten policy about different regions, Americas and, and uh, Middle East Africa. Um, we had, if you recall, in 2013, an Atlantic World Cup qualifying region south africa participated in that and lebanon participated through europe for a couple of cycles from 2017 uh, and and this current cycle in 2021 you've got a dedicated mea qualifying zone you've got a dedicated america's qualifying zone and that those two world cup uh, routes are turning into bona fide confederational projects so on a macro level that's incredibly important to us as a sport to have these new administrative constructs who, when they become formal, will be populated by their own experts from their own regions to form their boards. Um, all of these, I mean, two of the countries that participated in the MIA Championship have government recognition. We're, Nigeria's one, Ghana's the second one. We're close to getting government recognition in Cameroon and we've got an application lodged in Morocco. That all lends itself to the stability of the sport in, those, in that region. It also boosts our credibility with multi-sport organisations such as Commonwealth Sport, 
the former Commonwealth Games Federation um, and, and with our, our baseline numbers with GACE. So it's not just about getting games on in, in new parts because, because of our duty to spread this great game. It's also about the strategic uh, future for, for Rugby League. I've been calling it MEA, so it's good to hear you guys saying MIA. So it's the MIA Championship, and I think a lot of people would like to hear that as well because, like I said, we read about these things online, but people don't hear about it, So e- even myself. So that's fantastic. Um, and, Ray, so we're going to see a, a nation from this region qualify for the 2025 World Cup. What year will that championship be taking place? Is that the 2022 or are we talking 2024? Uh, 2021... Okay. Uh, we start the process for qualifying. Yep. Uh, 2022, the decision will be made. It depends on what happens with Lebanon in the 2021 World Cup as well. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, there's so many variables. Yeah. Danny, I want to know, I guess, and this might be a final final question before we move on to a couple of different accents as well, but um, we've got the Congress on this weekend, so we want to talk about, I guess, the the landscape of International Rugby League over the next five, ten years. What sort of plan could you guys be announcing or could we be looking at um, in the years to come coming out of this Congress? Our our whole business is underpinned by international football, obviously, so it's imperative for us to put international competitions at the forefront of everything we do. The conversation around um, a longer calendar has gone from the eight-year calendar in Global Conversion, our strategic document, to a 10-year calendar that we've been talking about. The there's been some quite significant announcements already made and because we're we're all in the middle of it, it's it's difficult to really appreciate the significance yeah. of those announcements. But last November, direct funding for the very first time in our sports history for the MIA Championship, for the America's Championship. Um, the struggles that Ray mentions, um, they won't go away, but they'll be lessened by um, double funding um, from 2022 Onwards. If I can interrupt, so Ray, do you think it's more geographic location, some of these issues that you have? Is it specific to the MIA region, do you think? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it would be. Yeah, so it's yeah. quite some quite unique circumstances that yeah, you face. Each, each country's got its own situations. So yeah. It's all unique, so you won't have yeah. one across the board. They'll all be similar. Yeah, Africa doesn't benefit from... Uh, uh, budget airlines either like in yeah. a lot of the European competitions people can drive over borders to one another and within a couple of hours be at the stadium so Africa doesn't really exactly. enjoy the same proximity or also the same services that European countries there's do. so many intricacies and I think I'll just applaud um, I know that over every couple of years we're going to be seeing um, Oceania Cups and MIA Cup Championships and America's Cups and European Cups as well or European Championships as well and I think that's fantastic. Danny, question for you uh, without notice, sorry, but so the European Championship, we've all heard about this happening every two years for the next 10 years now as well, which we're all very excited about. One of the issues we've seen in the past is that we haven't seen a full-strength England side participating in these. Is that something that we think might change in the future? We certainly hope so. The 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 value of the European Championship um, won't be fully realised until you've got a genuine European Championship. It's a tournament that's been around since 1935, but it's never really had any uniformity or consistency of frequency or format. So I'll leave it for the European Federation to conclude their deliberations and conversations with, with the RFL. Um, but we all hope for the, for the future stability and growth of the competition that it should have England in it. 
Fantastic, gentlemen. I'm really looking uh, looking forward to seeing exactly what comes out of this Congress. Really excited and, of course, looking forward to the Nines, which is coming up soon as well. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back to you with a couple of different accents from around the rugby league world. Okay, I'm back uh, with a couple of new accents and these guys have been on flights for 23 27, 37 hours. It's been, it's, it takes a while to get to Australia. So I apologize for that, guys, but uh, it's a beautiful country. So I hope you enjoy it as well. But I've got Nayef Abisad uh, from the Lebanese Rugby League Federation. He's the CEO. Welcome. Thank and, you. Uh, mate, thank you because uh, I understand this is English is your third language. So bear with me. Ask me to slow down if you don't understand my Aussie accent. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how we go. And we've got Brian Julif from the, uh, the chairman um, from the Welsh Rugby League as well. How are you? Great, Michael. Thanks for inviting us, gentlemen. Welcome to welcome to Sydney and welcome uh, welcome to the Congress. I guess I want to get your thoughts on this year's Congress, and you guys have obviously been to a few of these things. But um, I'll I'll start with you, Brian. So, uh, what are your thoughts on this year? What do you expect to come from it, and what are you excited about? Well, the Congress is important to us because international rugby league is important to Wales. Yeah, the club game is not as strong in Wales, obviously, as it is across some other nations, because we don't have a Super League team now. Although we've got twelve regular progressive teams playing with age group teams coming through from under 12 and 14 and 16 under 19 and seniors plus women plus university teams we've got lots of stuff going on in Wales but the only way we can increase our profile and um, and make it a sustainable sport is through international rugby so coming to these meetings gives us the opportunity to mix and talk to other nations to build bridges um, and to build relationships uh, to help the game develop ongoing and give us more profile across Wales. So these meetings for us uh, are just important uh, for networking, really. You mentioned so much there that I don't want to sort of gloss over. So you've talked about tw- uh, 12-year-olds and 14-year-olds and women playing the game in Wales. Now, this is something that's fairly new, am I right? Well, uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, if you go back, look, if you, the history of Welsh Rugby League is quite strong because we, we, we played the first ever international. It was Wales against uh, New Zealand, who yeah. then called the All Blacks. Yeah. Uh, the old, uh, the old, old Golds. Goals, right, yeah. The Old Golds. And, of course, they were the successful All Blacks team of 1906-1907, I believe, which have travelled the UK. Uh, and we beat them in Aberdeer, which is three miles away from where I used to live, um, on the old Ennis Fields, they call it, 9-8. And that was uh, obviously a strong Welsh team in those days playing what they call Northern Rules. So we've got a strong history, really, of rugby league in Wales because we were overshadowed by the other court because that's become our prime sport in Wales, mainly because of the support of the RFU, uh, the English RFU, the Welsh RFU, uh, rugby union, uh, and the amount of money they've got. Uh, So our, our game in Wales is still there and it's still going, although we've only been registered as a nation uh, uh, recently, really, as a, uh, as a um, RLAF nation. But uh, we've, got, we've got heritage, we've got history. Now the game is growing more than ever. Um, even though we don't have a Super League team, people are taking an interest because we've got players going into Super League sides, born and bred in Wales. Yeah, Reagan Grace, for Reagan example. Reagan Grace is a prime example. Yeah. Um, and, and they get an attention again. Um, now, because rugby union is um, uh, uh, is professional, you see less players, you know, like 
my era where players had to move from Wales to play for an English club to get any profile uh, and they out of the Welsh B-sides and the Welsh senior team like Jonathan Davis and, and the Quinells of this world that doesn't happen now it doesn't need to happen so we've got to breed our own um, uh, to make us a stronger nation so now we have progressive clubs uh, that they bring in, uh, and we run re, uh, sorry, we run leagues from under twelve and to fourteen and sixteen up to under nineteen. That is, you know, is, is very positive for, for us because it, it makes the game sustainable. But for the first time ever, we've now got uh, a Welsh rugby league uh, women's team, which we're all very, very proud of. Obviously, because that was another step that we uh, we didn't anticipate it coming so soon. Uh, but it's come upon us quite quickly this year and the, the interest has been massive with over 70 women turning up for trials. Um, we've got uh, uh, three uh, established teams with the clubs, one based in Cardiff, one based in the Valleys, which is, which is exciting. And, uh, and we've got the university teams playing. Of course, once you get into the universities with the girls, there's a big, big opportunity because that makes it sustainable. Uh, and and, and the, uh, this is getting lots of attention in Wales now. So we see and this as, as a very positive step forward. We've also got a, a very strong wheelchair team, which we've had going now since 2012. I'm really proud of that too. And they've been the Celtic champions four years running and they'll be playing in the World Cup. So all these things are really positive things. We, we're working on disability sport, uh, yep. rugby league this year. That's a first for us. Yep. And uh, so there's lots of positive stuff going on in Wales, you know, and, uh, and we want to be part of the international community because the only way we'll get profile is by Wales playing uh, international rugby. They raise the profile throughout Wales and increase the sustainability and participation rates. Is there any talk about, so we, we mentioned playing more games as Wales. Is there talk outside of, say, nines tournaments or Euros and things like that about playing other nations or things like that? Is there anything in the pipeline that we yeah, can... Well, we, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. So we, 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 just minutes ago, we were talking about Lebanon. We, we, we want to build... We've played twice against each other before. Uh, we, we, we'd like to build bonds with these people because they, like us, want to focus on the game in the country rather than bring heritage players in. We're all keen to develop our own players uh, because the, the identity of the Welsh team uh, and the Lebanon team in the future has to be based, if it's going to be sustainable, has to be based on homegrown players, doesn't it? So we've been talking to each other, whether we can get that on again, a lot of it's down to just finances, isn't it? Always uh, is. Uh, and then, you know, we, we, we're not blessed with finance <laughs> in Wales. We got very little funding at the moment. So Nave, we, that sounds like a very polite challenge. How would you like to see Lebanon facing Wales sometime soon? Yeah, we would love to face Wales. We would love to <laughs> face any country. It's all back, like I said, on finances, like Lebanon current economic situation is a bit of a mess but uh, we're looking forward to play some international game especially for our domestic base player yep which is which is, they are the future for the game uh, we'll welcome all the time any heritage player we're not we're not closing the door against anybody but at the end as a Lebanese rugby league federation our job is to grow the game locally and domestically because uh, it is the, it's the place where we have control of uh, how we can uh, grow it with the help of anybody who's like willing to help us. 
That's fantastic. And the, so Lebanese Rugby League, I'm not sure if you're aware, but here in Australia and Sydney in particular, you guys have been in the press a lot in the last six months or so, probably for some of the wrong reasons. So some very vocal heritage players, Robbie Farah, have come out and expressed some issues and concerns uh, that he and some of the other heritage players have had with the Lo- Lebanese Rugby League Federation. I must say they paint you guys out to be these, like, like just some of the nastiest people out, but you're one of the nicest guys I've met. I've known you for 15 <laughs> minutes and you're one of the most polite gentlemen I've ever met in my life. So Thank you. <laughs> I, start, I, I start to question some of these things that I've heard in, in the local press and I guess I'd like to understand your side of the story because a lot of people um, through my podcast, Chasing Kangaroos and on social media, they ask me, you know, what's happening in Lebanon? Do they have a domestic competition? We heard it hasn't happened this year. Can you give us a little bit uh, of an understanding as to what's going on over there and what happened with these heritage-based NRL players? Oh, that's a lot of questions. So yeah, let's, yeah. Uh, let's, let's we'll break it down. We'll take yeah, it slow. That's okay. fine. I'm going to start with the domestic championship. This week we're launching the CRL championship, which is like the college championship. We have two divisions in it. Division one consists of four teams and division two. So far we have four teams. We hopefully we might get the fifth team. Yep. So division two is going to start in January, like uh, 2020. Uh, division one is going to start this uh, this uh, this week. We made two divisions. There's there not a lot of team to divide them into divisions, but the thing is like uh, when Danny started the game back in 2002, and we had some university who started back then. We started getting new university. Those university would come and play against those university would have like experienced programs. They would be trashed 80 0, 70 0. Yeah, you don't so, want that. so we end up first game, you have like a lot of numbers turning off for the new universities. After three games, nobody's showing up, which is logical. So that's why we just decided to launch a division two where like all universities start together, get, get the program. This year, we're starting the promotion and relegation between the two, two divisions. So we get more challenging for, uh, for the championship. We're starting the school championship in February 2020 also. Yep. And we're going to start uh, the club championships, the LRL championship, hopefully around May. We're just uh, working on the program. Yep. We had the pilot championship last year. I saw that. Yep. Uh, I heard your podcast about it. Oh, also. thank you. I hope I went okay. I yeah. hope it was accurate. Yeah. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> so, and like, we're always like keeping open mind, you know, we learn from our mistake. We see how we can progress uh, the game. There's always uh, there's always a place for improvement. In our case, there's a lot of place, a uh, lot of improvements that would be, uh, that's going to be na- made, especially when we go to management, to uh, to officiating level and this stuff. We're working on this. We had two courses, coaching courses and... I saw that. Uh, level two courses and uh, match official courses. That Fantastic. was really interesting. Yep. Uh, we're hoping to get more people involved in the game. We're trying to get more specialized people in the game. Like this year, our CRL tournament director is a sports management master holder, which is we're trying to improve the level also, work with more specialized people. Uh, regarding the bad press that we had here, something we, I, I honestly prefer not to go through it again, but we can explain some stuff. Yep. I think most of the people, the players here were misinformed about the system in Lebanon. Uh, what do you and, think that is? Where do you think that came from? Oh, uh, I don't, honestly don't know where it came from. Maybe some people have some 
personal motives or personal agendas yep. or stuff but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna talk bad that's fine. like yep. about them yep. i respect i respect their good intentions hopefully they have those good intention uh, good intentions but i'm not gonna go there yep i'm looking to the future yep to building up i can tell you as ceo and as board everybody's welcome they have to keep a positive uh, a positive uh, attitude yep uh we can all sit and criticize any problem we all the problems and say this those are problems and talk about it for like five more years but it's not about uh, criticizing problem it's about finding solution so this is this is my way this is the this is the attitude that i want to work with and i'll tell you again everybody's welcome to to work with us to work for the better uh, to make the game better and uh, hopefully we won't have any bad press and hopefully the press doesn't deviate uh, from the main story i can give you an example if you want to talk about that yeah sure like all the press went with the big headlines the federation want to send players to jail yep tell me about that because i had a question about that yeah but nobody said that our national emblem was de- denigrated yep and it's coming from especially from australia where they respect cultures and uh, everything like every single detail being politically correct about anything yes or everything yep Nobody said that our national emblem got denigrated. Yep. No one. For them, maybe because like Lebanon is a third world country or like developing country to talk about it, they don't care. No, actually we care. It's probably not a headline that sells as many newspapers, unfortunately. Well, well, f- for me personally, like yeah. having my national emblem denigrated yep. one month after we have three, three army, a police and army got killed by a nicest guy just because they represent the yep. cedar. Yep. It's... It's honestly something uh, outrageous. If you look at our passport, yep. what you have on our passport is the national emblem. It is the cedar. So, yep. and you know, if you know, in Australia, we sometimes take things like that for granted. That that stuff doesn't happen over here. And um, but we need to understand what's going on all the way around the world. And I can guarantee you that if someone denigrated our emblem, or our flag, or our Southern Cross, or anything like that. Then people would be upset as well. But so, if Robbie Farrow goes to Lebanon, he doesn't. He's not going to jail. He's fine. So I'm not. We're not going to send anybody <laughs> to jail, man. <laughs> Hopefully, it's not. It's not about us. It, the the denigration of national emblem is a, is a crime punishable yep. by law. Yeah. So if the uh, general prosecutor yep. decide to take actions, it's not. I'm. I can. I cannot be in control. So we send. Like we send. Would. We send them. We talk to them. We told them, don't do it, yep. gents. Please do not do it. It's not something we can control it. Yeah. So it sounds like it came it came across as a threat when really you just it was more of a warning. If yeah. We told them not to do it. We asked them yep. not to do it. Yep. But at the end if the general prosecutor is going to go and we approve and don't do anything about it, the first person who go to jail is me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we <laughs> and can't have that. So this is something like if something I would believe in, a right protest, I don't mind, but something I do not believe, I feel ashamed of. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully again. I'll, as I said before, everybody comes back to their mind. 
keep a yep. positive attitude and work to, to a better future. Well, peace is the best way forward for Lebanon because there's so much potential there and it sounds like domestically it's starting to come together. So you mentioned that the pilot competition started uh, earlier this year. There was three teams. As I understand it, and I've spoken on my podcast before and I've spoken to people on both sides of the story domestically, uh, I understand one of the big teams or clubs that were against um, your federation was Lycans. I understand they're back on board. I understand they've submitted papers and they'd be looking to come back um, into the Lebanese competition as of next year. Can you yep. confirm that? We had a meeting, uh, we had an application submitted. Yep. I had a meeting with uh, Wal Harb on Friday Yep. before my long, long, long flight here. Yep. And, <laughs> Seems uh, like weeks ago, probably now yeah, after the flight. And uh, again, hopefully we told them, let's keep a positive attitude. Whatever, whatever, whenever we face a problem, let's find a solution toward it. And hopefully this is what's going to happen in the, the future. That is fantastic because I was concerned that both sides of the party were stubborn uh, but to see that you guys are coming together that there will be domestic rugby league in Lebanon next year and there, there will can, always been domestic yeah. rugby league in Lebanon it's not the, excellent the, it didn't stop yeah but how people or how the media yep picture it yep you said it that's uh that's uh that's a different story i'm glad to hear you <laughs> i'm glad you're here to tell your story my man and um so do you think this is let's talk a little bit about nines because that's what we're very excited to hear about this weekend do you think this has affected your team's um opportunities or or you know possibilities at the nines because we've got i think reese robson was probably the only player heritage player of note who's been named in the lebanese side would we have seen more if all, all of this didn't happen and how do you expect your side to go Hopefully we can have the best outcome. Uh, like wearing the national team jersey is something every player should be proud of. Yep. Uh, I'm proud of like the team that we have right now. Yep. Uh, about the technical choices all goes back to the coach. Yep. Whoever is wanting to play for the national for his country and represent his country is more than welcome. Yep. So hopefully we can get the best result out of it. Brian, what about Wales? I understand there are many domestic players or Welsh-born players in your squad. Yeah, we brought um, uh, 16 uh, with us and um, 13 of those are Welsh-born. Yep. Uh, another two have come through a development system. Uh, yep. We had Dan Fleming, for example, yep. who's been here forever. He's a great, for us, he's a great servant of Wales rugby, playing at Halifax and, and Mikey Butt. Gavin Benny and they, they're the other boys that, um, that are, would be heritage. But we we want to focus focus on Welsh born players if we can. But like the Lebanon boys, we don't want to, we don't want to discard them because if they put their hands up, we we'll welcome in the, them into the squad. Yep. If they want to be part of playing for the shirt, um, but these boys are the heartbeat of, of of Wales, and they've been kicking around now with us for a couple of years through the European Championships. Yep. So we see this tournament as part reward and part opportunity. They can open their legs up and have a run. We've got two sets of twins in this side, which is quite unusual, isn't it? That could confuse everyone. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, it would be Connor we got, Davis. We got two twins also, by yeah. the way. <laughs> yeah, Connor Davis and Curtis Davis, you've got to have a partner, very difficult. Like you uh, have different uh, numbers on their back, I see. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, we've we, we got some flyers in the squad, you know. Well, I'm excited to see Regan. Regan, I'm yeah. very proud of Regan because he's come straight out of the St. Ellen's side that uh, won the grand final. And he was on the flight the next morning. So, so he's on his way as we speak. out in his Wales gear. <laughs> uh, so I'm really proud of Reagan that he's put his hand up and he wanted to come. Do you um, think he should have been in the Lions squad? 
Uh, well, you'd love to see him progress yeah. to the Lions squad, but Bregan's a, a young. Fan, yeah. As a fan, like yeah, well, Bregan is, is, is a great finisher. And yeah. He's a quality player, but he's still a young man and he's still learning the game, isn't he? Yep. At St. Helens, you know, they're on the front foot and Reagan on the front foot is a very, very dangerous player. Yeah. He can score from all over the pitch. And... Uh, yeah, we, we, we hope that he'll come through. Of course, we've got Morgan Knowles, who is in the, yep, he's the Great Britain, and, and yep. Morgan is an outstanding player too. Yep. Morgan isn't with us, because um, he's going with Great Britain to, uh, we think he's going to Great Britain with New Zealand. Yep. Um, so, uh, we've come without six Super League players, uh, so we could, like all teams, we could bolster the side, but for the purpose of this tournament, it's more about progress, more about development, it's about building the bond, and that's what John Key wants to do. To continue the, that young side that we brought into the European Championship last year, and we got a bit of a pissing against France for the first game. Yep. But then when we got it together and they, they started to, uh, you know, to blend, we, we you know we took on a good Ireland team and a good Scotland team and put some big scores against them. Your boys surprised me. I was expecting Ireland to go through, well, and we, I, we were all ate, nervous. I ate my words. We were all nervous because um, they're a good side, Ireland. Yep, they definitely are. Now we were outstanding in the first twenty minutes against Ireland in Wrexham and. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, so far in the eight years I've been involved in yep. Wales rugby in this role. Yep. Uh, that's probably my, my most satisfying um, game because yep. we uh, you could see that the heartbeat was there, that it, they all were playing for each other and uh, and a very young side with lots of pace. I mean, Gavin, Gavin Benyon was outstanding that day yep. um, playing in the second row and this kid's going to be running out in the park this next weekend and Gavin, you give him some space. He's a big, strong lad, and he's pacey. So, I want to see these boys running with the ball. Yep. You know, and the results. I'd like to win it, but we're not. We haven't come here necessarily to win it. We've come here to participate, to enjoy it, and to build for the future. Yeah, it sounds reading between the lines. You'd be happy with a few upsets, but if you are can build towards twenty twenty one, then that's what it's really all about. Well, like Danny and I, when we spoke about it, we just want to leave a legacy, really, this time, which we didn't leave in two thousand and seventeen. Because yep. we had a very difficult tournament in 2017 yep. with a young side. Yep. Again, we came without, well, we came without uh, eight or nine as a, as a senior players then. Uh, and we weren't ready. But look at those boys now. Yep. They're in the squad now. They've learned and they've de- developed. And Morgan Knowles is a great example of that, yep. being part of that. You know? yep. So you know, let's, let's just hope that we enjoy it, boys enjoy it, and we leave people, or leave some stories behind where people start talking about Wales again. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I remember days when uh, when I first started noticing the Super League or International Rugby League. I was, I was uh, much younger than I am now, but I remember guys like Kieran Cunningham and Eston Harris running around. And I think they're heritage players, aren't they? Were they born in Wales? Uh, Yeston, no, no. Yeston was uh, was born in Oldham, actually. He was, wasn't yeah, he? But so, Yeston Harris is probably a very, very strong Welsh. Well, know. that is a Welsh name if I've ever heard yeah, one. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, now, tell me this. You mentioned this earlier. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to mention it, but how close was Tyson Frizzell to actually lining up for Wales in this night? Well, we, we, we talked to Tyson. We are, we are regularly in, in, in contact with Tyson, and I, I hope he... I'm sure he will probably turn up uh, somewhere around the tournament to, yep. to speak to the boys because we're proud of Tyson. He, he, I think he played something like six or seven times for Wales. Yep. Um, so he didn't just, you know, turn up and have a game. He was part of what we were doing back in 2012, 2013 and was one of our outstanding players in the World Cup of 2013, which is why... No, he's playing for his home nation, which is Australia. Australia. So we, 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 we cop a lot of flack as a sport for using heritage players, but I think Wales is a great example of how you need that in the beginning, but then you can start to build towards something more. And I think now you're seeing 
a side full of a squad full of almost all domestic players and i just want to congratulate you guys for it because it's fantastic um both of you so your group um i will say in terms of press over here in australia your group at the nines is the one that we're hearing least about everyone's talking about australia new zealand papua new guinea and the usa who unfortunately are in the in the pool of death everyone's excited to see um the uh, the pacific islander sides in their pool as well but but do you think you guys could for, could cause an upset here or could someone from your pool take this thing out? Yep, hopefully. We always... <laughs> well, that was, that was, that was, let's hope was, first uh, we have an upset against Wales, <laughs> upset the Welsh. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I really hope that doesn't happen. I really see, I'm really seeing a Welsh-Lebanese um, rivalry starting here, so it's fantastic. Yeah, well, it's, I hope to see. it's a friendly, it's friendly rivalry. Yeah. No, I guess like uh, our coach is doing a good job with the team, especially we have also a very young, very young squad, and we can build on this squad for the next World Cup and have more and more players joining in, and we'll see how it's going to go after this uh, night. We can sit uh, and evaluate and. Uh, Look forward. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to the nines. I'll be out there both days. I can't wait to see you guys out there as well. I just want to say thank you to all four of you for joining me uh, here tonight. Uh, looking forward to releasing this one. And it's just good to have a candid chat about what, what the trials, the issues, but also the positives from around the world of rugby league are from all corners of the world. It's been absolutely fantastic. Um, to our listeners, thank you for listening to the very first episode of the official International Rugby League podcast brought to you by Chasing Kangaroos. Uh, you can find Chasing Kangaroos and the now International Rugby League, formerly the RLIF. You can find, I'll, I'll have some websites and social media links in our show notes for anyone who's interested. I've been Michael Carboni. That's full time, guys. We'll see you at the nines. Thanks for listening to the International Rugby League podcast, a collaboration between the International Rugby League, formerly known as the Rugby League International Federation, and the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. I've been your host, Michael Carboni, and this episode was mixed and recorded by Paul Murchison. Thank you.